back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we're going to play a fun game of Never Would I Ever. It's kind of like Never Have I Ever, except like Never Would I Ever. So this is kind of related to the Fears episode that we released a while ago. I think that's when we originally thought of the idea, if I'm not mistaken, where we have these ideas of things that are not necessarily things that we're fearful of, if you will, because A lot of these things are things that we haven't experienced, so I guess you can't truly call it a fear unless you've experienced it, right? But they are things that we would never, ever do, ever. So, Leanne, did you want to uh, start us off with one of your things that you would never do? Well, the first thing I wanted to say was I was very proud of us when we came up with this title, so I just wanted to acknowledge that first. Second... I feel like the first two things that I have on my list are kind of tied for number one, but just randomly to start with one. Bungee jumping, you know those videos where people stand on a bridge? I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I've seen this from somebody in Australia, but I'm sure they have it other places. When you stand on a bridge and you just jump off and you're just like attached to this bungee cord and I'm like, I don't care how many safety precautions there are, how like up to date this bungee cord is, I do not trust that thing not to snap. I agree on this one. I think bungee jumping is something that I would never do, but not for the reason of it snapping. I saw a video when I was like a kid where somebody bungee jumped and then it formed a little loop and then it went around their neck. (gasps) Yeah, which I feel like is kind of traumatizing because it's like you can rationalize like, okay, like people have bungee jumped over and over and over again. This cord will not snap. But you think about like the possibility of it forming like, around your neck and then like you dying because of that and you're like oh the odds for that seem a little bit better that's actually terrifying okay my thing is is like there are probably some sort of statistics about like only one in a million snap and you die by dropping into a river but i think okay it's only one in a million but do you want to be that one no i do not that's like okay the other day i was at dinner with my cousins and my brothers and my cousin's fiance as well. And so we were all at dinner. We were having a great time. And we were talking about LASIK, like the eye surgery, right? And one of my cousins has gotten LASIK. She got it about six years ago. So she's had it for a while. And my cousin's fiance and I were chatting and we were like, we would never get LASIK. Like she and I were just like, absolutely not. Because don't they have to like cut into your eye to like, you know, fix some things that's what I assume I don't really know that much about the surgery but that's what I always presumed like I don't think they just you know shine lights on you and then it's all good like I think that there's something else that happens okay so nobody take this LASIK advice from me because this is from when I somehow ended up watching an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians and my grandmother's when I was like I don't even know if I was old enough to be watching that show and Whatever Kardashian it was, was getting LASIK. And like, I don't know the whole thing that goes down. But essentially, they like put these things, I guess, to like help keep your eye open or something. And then they like shoot laser beams into them. Yeah. Again, I would suggest going to an actual doctor to figure out how this is done. Because reality TV, I don't think is uh, you should take medical advice from or uh, two random girls on a podcast. That's true, especially when neither of us has had LASIK done, nor have we really looked into it that much, probably. I want it, though, unlike you. See, 
to some extent I want it, but I'm also scared that I'm going to be like the 1% of people who goes blind. I have that fear too, but also my eyes are significantly worse than yours. And I think that can also play a difference is like how bad is your eyesight? For example, it's like I feel like some people I know, they need their glasses, but like they can walk down the street without them. I couldn't even get out of the house without them. Like I'm definitely not that person who's like, oh, I forgot my glasses. Oh, I need them. It's like, I know if I forgot my glasses because I can't see anything. Oh, I see. Yeah, I guess that does make sense then if your eyesight is like not really good. One of my dreams, not to cut you off, but one of my dreams is to just wake up in the night if I have to go to the bathroom and be able to see without having to fumble around for my glasses. See, when you put it that way, I understand the appeal. But I'm also like, with the LASIK thing, it terrifies me. I'm like, like I said, I don't know the actual statistic, but I assume it's like 1%, which may be a little bit high. I don't know. But you think about that and you're like, one in 100 people could go blind from LASIK. You're like, those odds are not super high, but it's also not super low. I think also, at least for me, is it's not covered by insurance. And I don't know if this is true now, but the last time I looked it up, it was almost two grand an eye. And I do not have that right now. So it's definitely on like, maybe in the future. I could see that. But we were talking about it and we were like, but you also have to consider the cost that reoccurs year after year for getting new glasses or getting contacts and things like that. Because like, for those of you who are blessed enough to have really great eyesight out there, glasses and contacts are not cheap. Like I want to say the last time I got glasses or contacts, the glasses were maybe like 100 to $200 after insurance. And contacts, I think, were two to $300 for two-week contacts. See, I do monthly contacts. Um, I feel like they were under $200 for the whole year. But then you also, like you were saying, you have to add in solution and all that other stuff. You also have to add in your contact appointment because your glasses appointment is covered by insurance, but your contact portion isn't. Oh, really? So it does add up. That's good to know. It's been a while since I got contacts, like several years, to be honest with you, just because I find that honestly, like, I don't know, it just kind of annoys me because you know how your workday is eight hours at least, right? After like eight hours of wearing my contacts, my eyes get so painfully dry. I cannot wear them for more than eight hours. Like if I do, like, it's painful. So for that reason, I'm like, you know, I just. I would prefer to wear my glasses because it's much more comfortable. Plus, it's like, what happens if I don't have my glasses on hand and my contact is really bothering me and I have to throw it out? What happens then? Okay, two things. One, with the insurance thing, I think that might be insurance specific. So again, don't take advice from me. But with regards to that, I feel like in that sense, I'm kind of an irresponsible contact wearer because I pop my contacts in in the morning. I leave the house. I go about my day. I don't bring a pair of glasses with me. I don't have solution on me. I don't have like spare contacts on me. I just go out in the world and I'm like, okay, like let's hope it works out. See, like usually I do that. But then earlier this year, I had a really bad experience when I was going to Ikea and I was driving to Ikea. And I was like, oh my gosh, my contact is literally driving me nuts. I don't know if there was something on it or like if it was inside out, but like I took it out, I put it back in my eye. I waited to see if it would get any better. And like the whole time while I was there, my eye was like burning, burning pain. It was 
awful. I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to, I need to just take out this contact. So I just took out the contact and was just walking around Ikea with one contact in, drove home that way. I was like, well, if I get pulled over, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) say. See, I think now this is kind of totally unrelated to never would I ever, but in terms of my rankings, I don't know where LASIK would go, but I am interested in it. Then I would put contacts and then glasses. I do not like wearing my glasses. I think it's because I'm so used to wearing my contacts. It's way clearer. You don't have the issue where they get all smudgy and like, because sometimes I don't realize how dirty my glasses are. And then I wash them and I put them back on. It's just like a whole new world. But I feel like glasses get dirty so frequently. It's like you wash them and five minutes later, they're dirty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, because you wear them like all the time or frequently enough, you don't realize how dirty they are until like, until you clean them or until somebody else points it out and they're like, oh, your glasses are dirty. Fair. So what's the first thing on your list? Let me see. Let me see. What is it? Oh, spelunking. I would never, ever go spelunking. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is going into caves to explore caves because I have watched way too many like true YouTube video story type things where it talks about these people who go spelunking and then they die. And so (laughs) I'm just terrified of going spelunking because it's like there are so many things that could go wrong. So many things. So is spelunking like something special or is it just like literally like anyone who just walks into a cave and walks around i think it's pretty much like if you're going cave exploring in any sort of cavernous tunnel system that is spelunking to my knowledge i mean i am not an avid spelunker so i don't know um but yeah because like among some of the things that could go wrong if you're in a cave that fills up with water at some point or like has the potential to fill up with water you could drown because you could not get out in time. If you're a mile under the ground and then all of a sudden like a high tide rushes in, you're not going to get out in time. Or like you could also like go into a spot that's too small for you. And then like if you exhale and you're in that spot that's too small for you, then you cannot inhale again to fill up your lungs. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if you're in a spot that's going to be constricting around your ribs. I don't know. It's just, it's very scary to me. I don't think I would do it unless it's like within like 15 feet of the cave opening and it's very open. Yeah, I feel like I would go into a cave if it's like the type of thing where you can just kind of walk in normal and just like poke around, maybe see like the stalactites or whatever. But anything that would involve crawling, I don't think I would do. Or like fitting into small spaces. Mm -mm. Like I'm not a claustrophobic person, but that's a no. I mean, when you mix small spaces with the potential for drowning or like what if your flashlight goes out? What if you have like five extra flashlights and they all go out? Exactly. And then you're underground and there's no natural light. It's just there are a lot of different things that could go wrong. Or like what if the cave has a partial collapse and nobody knows you're in there? Mm hmm. Yeah. And so for that reason, spelunking is on my never would I ever list. I do enjoy the word, though. Me too. I like saying, can you tell that I like saying it? I've said it like 15 times. Um, I think the next thing on my list is very related to the first one. I think people who are never going to do one of them probably would never do the other. Skydiving. 
Not going to happen. Same reason. What if you jump out of the plane and your parachute doesn't open? You are done for. And then the worst part is, it's like you're just falling from an airplane and you know what's going to happen. That's true. That's true. Like you could anticipate it. And yeah, I feel like that anticipation would be the worst, to be honest with you. Also, okay, so maybe you land in an empty field, but what if you have the misfortune of landing on a really pointy tree or something? Ooh, yeah, yeah, that would be really painful. Well, I feel like if you're landing on an empty field versus a tree, I feel like because of the impact, it wouldn't matter. I feel like you'd kind of be dead either way. You definitely would be dead either way, but for some reason in my head, getting impaled by something makes it worse. That's true. I could see that. I could see it. But you're definitely right. I don't think your chances of survival are very high unless you have like you luck out and land in like a giant foam pit or something, which I don't know. Maybe with the velocity that you're falling, you would be dead anyway. I feel like you probably would be. I feel like no matter where you fall, you'd probably be dead. Okay. Related to that, never would I ever live in one of those high rise apartment buildings where you're on floor like, I don't know, 200. Never. Because I was like, you are not running down all those stairs in an emergency. Oh, see, I'm like, I would do that. I would live on like one of those 200 floor. Mm -mm. I would do it. Okay. If there's like a fire alarm that goes off and y'all have to run down the stairs, you're going to be at the end of that backlog. I'm not doing it. See, this is why you need a grappling hook so you can throw it to the nearest building and you can just swing over. The amount of times my old roommate and I had conversations about grappling hooks was like, I don't know why it came up so often, but it came up like too often in our conversations, mostly from my end. You just want to be prepared for everything. I do. Like, but do you know what's crazy about if you live in like a penthouse apartment or one of those really high up apartments is if the window breaks, your building is not responsible for the window. You are. And granted, this could vary by like situation, but one of my mom's friends was living in like you know, on like the 50th floor or something like that. And there was some really bad windstorm and it broke her window. And she like, and she has like floor to ceiling windows. And so she just had an open window for as long as that window was broken. And she had to get it repaired herself. Okay, that's wild. First of all, second of all, I feel like this is just leading to more and more things I would never do. I would never be a window cleaner. Oh, me either. I look at that and I'm like, that's that's actually really scary. Which I think makes sense. It kind of ties back to my bungee jumping thing. I have a real mistrust of dangling from cords at high heights. Agreed. I totally agree with that. I feel like window cleaners, now I don't know their salary, but I feel like they're tragically underpaid. Like, I feel like if you're cleaning windows for a residence that's going to be like 20 stories high, 10 stories high. You should be making some some good money. Let's just say they're braver than I am, because that terrifies me. But I did go ziplining in Puerto Rico. I was younger, so so maybe as before, like I was afraid of things. That's true. I I could see that. So not related to skydiving. Oh, actually, I have one more thing related to skydiving that I wanted to say. So my friend Katya, who you met, Leon. Did she go skydiving? Oh, she did. She went skydiving. That was her fun fact. Like on the first day of school was that she went skydiving and she has pictures and everything. I mean, okay, I only met her once for like, I don't know what, maybe like 10 minutes, but I feel like I could see it. Yeah, Katya is very much like a brave soul. I feel like she does things that I would be a little bit afraid to do, but she's just like, meh, 
I'm just going to do it. If you ever got me to like sign up for skydiving, I'd be that person where the plane gets up there and just be like, nope, not doing it. You're going to have to land this plane with me in it. I feel like once I got up there, I would be like, well, I've committed. If I die, I die. And then I would just I would just go. No, I'd be the person that like they land the plane. Everyone else jumped and I'm just sitting there still. I wonder if that happens often. Like, I wonder if you can back out last minute and be like, and I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like you probably can, but I wonder how like frequent that is. I mean, I think you would have to because otherwise they would have to like shove you out of the plane. And I feel like that would not be okay. That's true. I feel like, you know, even if they have legal forms to cover everything, I feel like that would still probably not be enough. I say as I've never, you know, seen one of these documents. I haven't either. I feel like my guess is you you can back out, but you may not be able to back out of paying. Yeah, I could see that because it's like you've made a commitment. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you make a reservation for something that you're going to do that's like really high end or like if you buy like tickets to a sports game. If you don't go to the sports game, you still have to buy the ticket. Yeah, which I feel like kind of makes sense. I also had skydiving on my list. But it had some question marks. It was like a maybe, but probably not. Ooh. Oh, no, mine's a definitely not. I would get LASIK before I go skydiving. I don't know. I don't know which one I would do first. (laughs) Your face is literally like you were giving this so much thought of which one would be worse. I mean, yeah, I feel like the odds for, you know, blindness or death, depending on which one you do, are probably similar. But also with LASIK, I feel like worst case scenario, you're still alive, most likely. But I feel like with LASIK, if I if I no longer am able to see, the likelihood that I could keep my job is very slim. Like, I don't know how I'd be able to do what I'm supposed to do, especially because I'm an art teacher. Like, do you do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but also if they fired you for that, I feel like they would have some... Uh discrimination lawsuit i don't know i haven't taken employment law but it doesn't sound like you should be allowed to do that i don't think you would be allowed to do that but also like how am i supposed to grade the kids artworks make them do sculpture teach sculpture i would have to teach like only sculpture but like how would i know if it's any good i would probably just have to ask my coworkers, and i'd be like tell me how are these looking describe them to me yeah you could also I feel like there's visually impaired artists, you know, like you can make it work. There definitely is. I just worry about like, you know, being in an educational setting, like how that would go over. See, I'm sure it's possible, but I do see how it could be a little different if you're like trying to teach other people and like grade stuff. And I don't know. I'm sure it's doable, though. There has to be in this country at least one visually impaired art teacher. Well, I'm sure there are visually impaired. I just don't know. If somebody is like, to be quite frank, if somebody's like blind and an art teacher, genuinely, I would love to know how you do that. I think that that would be a really cool thing to learn about because it's just something that I don't know. I genuinely don't know how you would make that work. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to learn because I'm sure it's out there. It's just I don't know what it looks like. Me too. I agree with what you say. Yeah. But anyway. Back on topic for Never Would I Ever. Another one that I have is scuba diving. Oh, I would go scuba diving. See, I like the idea of it, but I'm like, but I don't want to go like super deep sea scuba diving. 
What if I run into a shark? Okay, deep, deep sea, no. But like medium sea to like, I don't know, sea coral that you couldn't see snorkeling or something. I don't know. I feel like that could be cool. But on the lines, Kyle and I were watching this random documentary once about people who go like looking for treasure at the bottom of the ocean. And then this guy went down there and then he like came back up or something. And he had, he had that whole uh, uh, whatever that symptom disease, whatever happens when you come up too fast. Oh, like the bends? Yeah. And they had to like put him in the pressure chamber. And I was like, that's terrifying. And then I was thinking, maybe I should stick to snorkeling. Yeah. See, I'm like, snorkeling I like because it's like you're at the surface and you can just like kind of observe from there. And then if you want to get closer, you just have to hold your breath and you'll be fine. But like for scuba diving, I think just the idea that you have to do stops to like make sure that the pressure is okay kind of freaks me out because I'm like, what if you don't do it correctly? Then like you could get seriously injured. And there's also like if you. I can't remember if it's like if you go to a certain depth. I want to say it's if you go to a certain depth. You can get, I believe what is called nitrogen narcosis, where it's like you think that down is up sometimes or you get like super disoriented. And essentially, like if you get this condition, like more or less, it's pretty darn likely that you're going to die. So, yeah, I feel like it would be scary because it's like, how do you know exactly how deep you're going? You know, unless you're a really experienced scuba diver. I mean, I'm sure that they probably have some sort of gear, but still worrisome to me. Well, what if the gear doesn't work? Yeah, I don't know. These are the types of thoughts that keep me up at night. It's like, what if I go scuba diving and then I get nitrogen narcosis and then I, I die? Even though you said you would never actually be put in that situation. But I still like to think about it. It gives me a pastime, something to do. So related to that, when you're talking about scuba diving and like you're like, what if I run into a shark? I would never swim with sharks. Nope, nope, no. Because I feel like there's the ones where you go and like you sit in the cage and I'm like, I don't know. What if the door unlatches and then the shark gets in? Or if like, what if you're in the shark or if you're in the little cage and the shark's like biting at it in between and like gets too close to you? And then I think some people swim with sharks like without anything and I would never. I know. That's like really scary to me. I don't like that either. I think swimming with sharks is definitely a pass. You know, I think my boyfriend caught a shark once, though, like when he was fishing in like San Diego. Like a big one? Like a little four foot one or like a three or four foot one, like a cute little shark. I mean, that's like three quarters of a of a me. I know. Probably more. Kind of scary to think about. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he did. I think he told me the story once. I still feel like that's different than swimming with it. Oh, it definitely is. Because if all else fails, you can just cut the line and be like, bye. But if you're swimming with it, there's like, what are you going to do? Like, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, the shark is going to say bye and then eat you. I know. Which, I don't know. I think that sharks eating people, I think I read once where it's like one of those things where it's one of the things that people are like super afraid of but doesn't happen as often as you think which i feel like is the theme for this whole episode yes i would rather swim with a killer whale than swim with a shark by swim with a killer whale i mean in the wild not in captivity disclaimer i heard that they're not that violent they just they're orcas and then people called them killer whales and then they had bad rap yeah i mean they do i don't know they do a lot of like pack hunting i believe where it's like 
they will like work together to get a snack, if you know what I mean. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, from what I've heard, it sounds like there's not many, if any, instances of them being violent towards humans, like out in nature, unless, you know, we attacked them first. Well, I feel like with any wild animal, like let's say if you're observing lions on the savanna, it's like, just don't get too close. Because if you get up in their personal space, they're going to defend themselves and go after you. Exactly. Would you go on like to one of those like nature preserves and watch lions and stuff? I feel like I would. I feel like that would be really cool. Okay. So I was just thinking about it literally right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. Like, I feel like I'm not scared of that in the same way I would be swimming with a shark. My fear would be like, what if we're on this nice little like in this, I don't know, whatever they take you on, the little golf cart looking like things. And then like you're observing the lions from a distance out in their habitat, you know, again, not in like a zoo or anything. And then what if the lion gets hungry and there's like a zebra running by? Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see where that would be off putting to you, especially because you're very much like semi vegetarian, pretty much vegetarian. Well, whenever. Kyle and I watch nature documentaries. I really like them. But then whenever they start like hunting stuff, he has to like fast forward it for me. That's why I like the kid nature shows because they're like, oh, the lion's on the hunt. The lion is about to get some dinner. But then like they never actually show you it. But the adult shows do. I feel like growing up, I really didn't like seeing that. I mean, I don't enjoy it now by any means, but I feel like now I can. It would somewhat bother me to watch it, but not as much as when I was younger, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I just don't like seeing animals hurt, so I just can't watch it. Side note, kind of tangential. It's like that thing where you're like, oh, look at the baby lion. He's so cute. And then it's like it cuts to the adult lion getting food for the baby lion. You're like, oh. You're like, oh, not as cute anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. More scary than cute, to be honest with you. Exactly. (laughs) So this is a maybe what I ever and it's a strong maybe, is being a beekeeper. Because I like the idea of getting honey, but not the idea of squishing the bees. Supposedly, there are, at some points, bees may get squished. From what I have heard, from what I have heard, I don't know if it's accurate or not. From what I have heard, there's a possibility of squished bees. Is it like when you put the little, like, honeycomb rack back in? I think maybe. I think so. But there's that. And then also just I'm very scared of bees. So I feel like if I did ever do this, it would be my brave act of my entire lifetime, to be honest with you. But I'm like, I think it would be interesting just to see what it's like to be a beekeeper for a day. Like for long term, no, but like maybe for a day. I thought you were going to say that first when you were mentioning the squish bees, because that is the reason why I wouldn't want to be beekeeper is, I don't know, what if my anti-bee suit doesn't work and one of the bees gets in? I'm sure it happens, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's a maybe would I ever. But that's a strong maybe because I'm like, I don't know. I really don't like bees. I'm very scared of them. But if I could ever overcome it enough, maybe I could be a beekeeper for a day, not long term. I'm concerned for the bees' well-being because I've heard they've been having some issues recently, but I would like to be concerned from afar. Just don't get too close. We used to have someone on a, not exactly our block, but like a block over, 
who would sell like fresh honey. Like they were just a hobbyist beekeeper and they would be like, come purchase some honey. See, that seems nice. Yeah, like they just had a little sign outside their house. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I think in term, not exactly like if you had a your own hive in your backyard. They're not exactly your pets. But in terms of animals that I have to care for, I feel like I want ones that can like care for me back. Because I feel like in the way that like a dog or a cat would cuddle you, you can't cuddle a bee. That's true. I feel like as long as the pet is cute in some capacity, I would be fine with it. I prefer my pets furry. I agree. They're nice if they're like nice and little fluffy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Our next book club is going to be Circe by Madeline Miller. And that episode will be dropping on April 4th. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on Never Would I Ever. We'd love to hear what you would never do. So send us an email or DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zelenio's podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zelenio's Podcast on Instagram or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.